You are Locked On Aggies, your daily podcast on the Texas A&M Aggies, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Howdy, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of Locked On Aggies, presented by the Locked On Podcast Network. Cole Thompson, back in action, talking all things Texas A&M, and today, Let's compare and contrast. A lot of people don't like talking about this, but it is a storyline. Texas versus Texas A&M. You got to win the state. You got to be number one in the Lone Star country. And what team is better suited to actually take that title in 2021? If you like this and much, much more, make sure you stay attention and listen to the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast with Trevor Sikama and Benjamin Solak. Trevor and Ben break down every major pick in the 2021 class and are always getting you prepared for 2022. Subscribe on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcast listening systems. As always, make sure you're following me on social media at Mr. Cole Thompson. Name right down there below for those of you watching on Tigna. Join in on the fun. I am the host of the show and I love public feedback. Anything you can do to make this a more quality sounding podcast Monday through Friday, give me a follow, give me a shout out, and we'll add it into the mix. Secondly, Locked on Aggies. Locked on Aggies is your number one source for all things 12 brand related content found here on LOP. You can subscribe on iTunes, listen on Spotify, and if you can't do any of that, listen live every single day at LockedOnPodcast.com. So before we dive into a little bit of that, I always like to try and take the first segment to get something really big or something recent coming out of the news. And more recently, Phil Steele, for anyone who doesn't know who Phil Steele is, he has an amazing magazine, he has an amazing catalog where he breaks down all major teams, and he does, every season, a preseason all-conference team. And Texas A&M, last season, was highly underrated. But when you look going into this season, they're in a lot better place than I think a lot of people thought they were going to be because they now have a total of, I believe it's 12 players on Phil Steele's Top 25. So they're in a really good spot. First team included DeMarvin Leal, defensive lineman, running back Isaiah Spiller, tight end Jalen Weidemeyer, and offensive lineman Kenyon Green. Now, everyone kind of knows about this. When you look at the SEC and the running back position, Spiller seems to be the consensus number one running back coming back. Good last year, over a thousand yards on the ground, over a thousand total yards in each of his first two seasons at Texas A&M. He has been a bruiser. He has done a great job working between the trenches. And I do think in what Daryl Dickey's trying to do with expanding that offense, using him in a more neutral role is going to only elevate his status as one of the premier running backs in the SEC next season. Kenyon Green was an All-American at guard. I'm interested to see how he's going to do a tackle in 2021. But you got to remember that when he was coming out of a Tascacita High School, he was a tackle. And a lot of people thought that he should have been in consideration to play right tackle over Carson Green, move Green inside instead to guard because of his talent and his natural athleticism. Instead, Jimbo elected to put him at left guard, then I mean right guard, then left guard, eventually moving him over to the blind spot going into this upcoming season. Uh, after that, of course, you have Jalen Weidemeyer. This is no surprise to me. Jalen Weidemeyer is a, if not the number one. He's the number two tight end in the country. I would 100% agree with that with most people. I think when you look at going into next year's draft class, I would say right now, Weidemeyer is higher upside than Charlie Kohler at um, Iowa State. But I do think that you can make an argument that for the John Mackey Award going into this season, both are in a really, really high spot to where they both should be able to sit here and go, okay, I believe that this is the direction we're going in. I believe that both these players have enough to say. And I believe that when you look at what the offense is going to be elevated to with a guy like Weidemeyer who can play 
I think a multitude of positions versus Kohler, it gives him a little bit of an advantage. So definitely he's number one in the SEC. And then DeMarvin Leal. Leal, biggest name to watch for. I honestly think you could see him have a such historic rise this season, especially with what the defense is going to do for Mike Elko, where they're going to play a lot of different formations. Three-man front, five-man front, four-man front. He's going to be the one constant on the field. You're going to have plays where McKinley Jackson comes out. You're going to have plays where you have uh, 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 Jaden Peavy come out. There's going to be plays where Michael Clements comes out. There's going to be plays where Tyree Johnson comes out. There's going to be plays where you kind of mix in Fadil Diggs and um, uh, Danelle Harris, and you're going to mix in, maybe take out an extra linebacker. Leal is going to be in there. Every single snap, Leal is going to be in there. Whether he's playing a nose, whether he's playing a four-eye tech, whether he's playing a five tech, whether he's playing a defensive end tech, what, whatever he's playing, he's going to be on the field. Every other player is going to be re revolving around him, but number eight is going to be on the field. And what's really interesting is that he's going to get a look at pretty much every single position for, I would say, a base 4-3 defense. So, or a base 3-4 minus the nose tackle. So he's going to be able to play inside, kind of similar to what Aaron Donald did. They're going to play him as a five working on the outside shoulder of the, uh, of the guard inside shoulder of the tackle. They're going to run him, I think, a couple times where he's running the outside shoulder of the tackle. I could see that happening. But he's the most versatile piece on this defense. He's a guy that you have to watch for. He is the name that I think is going to make the biggest splash this year, and that's why he's on the first team. Now, second team, this is where things get a little interesting. McKinley Jackson, Anaya Smith, and Connor Choate. Now, for anyone who doesn't know who Connor Choate is, he's the long snapper. It's his job to make sure that kicks are perfect, that punts are in place, with Seth Small, with Nick uh, Conciansus, I, I I never know how to say his last name, and that's that's actually on me. But anyways, with, with Seth Small, it's his job to deliver a perfect snap. Last year, AM's kicking was flawless. AM's punting was flawless. When they had Braden Mann there, AM's punting was flawless. So the long snapper position is a big deal. Wide receiver Anaya Smith is a little concerning to me because I would have put him in my first team. I would have. Because if I look at what Anaya Smith does, and I can make an argument, as I have on the show multiple times, he is Kadarius Tony 2.0. He's a guy who's going to do a little bit of everything. And I do think by the end of this season, with how Jimbo Fisher and Daryl Dickey are going to use him, he is going to be in line to be set up to have that draft capital and that draft location that you saw with a guy like Tony. Tony was a top 20 pick. And a lot of people thought that he could have been a top 50 pick. And then at one point, he was a top 15 pick. I think you're going to see something very similar with that. And I do believe that with his versatility to how you can use him as a gadget player on uh, on jet sweeps, on quick pitches, on handoffs, on reverses, on short passes, any way you want to use him, he's a gadget player. And I know that a lot of people don't like hearing gadget players, but he is a gadget player. And that is something that I do think is going to be in the rise. So I have to throw him in the conversation. I would put him first team with how much he's used in the run game, with how much he's used in the passing game. I would put him first team. And then McKinley Jackson did a really good job last year when he came in for Bobby Brown, did a really good job when taking reps away from uh, Jaden Peavy. I think that he's going to be a name to really watch for on the rise. He was a guy who made immediate impact when coming in. There's a reason he was starting over a lot of other guys like Isaiah Rakes. Oh, he was taking stats away from Jaden Peavy because there's a lot of potential for what he can bring. And he's a little bit better of a bull rusher than I would say what Peavy or Rakes brings to the table. That's why I think that you see him in that second team. And then third team, you had uh, Leon O'Neill Jr., you had Anaya Smith as a punt returner. Now, again, 
He does do a lot of punt returns. He's very dangerous in open field. I like that. Leon O'Neal, I maybe would have put him second team. I don't know right off the top of my head because I'm not looking at the list who would have been the safeties in place for that second team. But Leon O'Neal, he's a hard hitter. He's really good in coverage. He makes a lot of plays. I think the biggest concern might be his injuries. Last season, he missed a couple games. Same with Demonte Richardson. I could see him probably faltering to that third team defense because of that. But when he's on the field, there may not be a safety in the SEC more dangerous than him because he can play really well in coverage. He has good closing speed and he's a willing hitter. You have all three techniques that are needed to play both free and strong safety at the next level. It's definitely warranted at the collegiate level. And then you have your fourth team, Caleb Chapman, Miles Jones, Nick Consiano. There we go. I just found out his name and uh, Jameer Johnson. Now Johnson's a weird one because Johnson is a player who is making a transfer played. I think it was eight out of the 10 games last year for Tennessee played a multitude of positions. He played right guard. He played left tackle. He played left guard. He played right tackle. People are saying he likely is going to be the starting right tackle this year for Texas A&M as they try to figure out who's going to be the long-term option. They believe that that's where he's best going to fit. Uh, Miles Jones, biggest cornerback in the SEC. Got good size. Got great physical physicality. I believe the other Jones and Jalen is a little bit stronger than him overall, but he definitely is just as physical. He definitely is just as strong. And I do believe that he can make a lot of plays. Plus he's the veteran of that defensive backfield. So I go, I understand why miles Jones is there. Uh, Nick, uh, you know, Nick Consiano, uh, he was one of the best punters in the sec last season. And when you're that, I mean, the sec had a lot of good punters. So you have that. And Caleb Chapman, this is where it gets interesting because Caleb Chapman could be a name that breaks out this year could be a name that falters. I mean, that that's just the reality of it. I always wonder what Caleb Chapman was going to be last year because he was on a tear for those first three games, then caught that touchdown against Florida, season over. I want to see what he can do. If he can stay healthy, you have a vertical threat. And having a vertical threat doesn't mean your quarterback is going to be all star-spangled set. But what it does mean is that he's in the right place at the right time to be successful for 2021. This episode of Locked on Aggies is brought to you by Made In. Now, if you don't know what Made In is, it's this definite kind of style of kitchenware that actually is really talented. Part of the reason why sometimes you don't get that restaurant style of food isn't because of your cooking. It's because of your cooking wear. And now you can have those products made by Made In. The products made by professionally quality cookware and have knives that for people who love to cook. They're made from the finest materials and are partnered with the renowned craftsmen for premium cookware available directly to you without the same market price. The products are made to last and they are offered a lifetime guarantee. They have over 28 thousand five-star reviews on their products and are using some of the world's best chefs at michelin star reviews around the world made in is made for you right now made in is offering for our listeners 15 percent off when you use the promo code locked on that's l-o-c-k capital o capital n the best discount available anywhere for made in products go to madeincookware.com slash locked on use the promo code locked on l-o-c-k-e-d capital o capital n for 15 percent off your next purchase made in Better cookware for better meals. Locked on Aggies presented by the Locked on Podcast Network. Time to get into the main subject. Which is better? Who is better? Why do we always have to have a better? Well, I'll tell you. Because if we, live in the, if we live in the country, we live in the area, we are being first matters. And, and I mean this in almost every single sense of the word, being first matters. Have you ever watched people on Twitter just argue just talk about how hey man we did this hey dude what's going on with this hey man you didn't credit me even reporters in this business now they gotta be the first to report on it 
They don't have to be right all the time, but they got to be the first. You always got to see. So-and-so had it first. So-and-so reported live first. Credit to so-and-so for having the news first. First is everything in today, in every single aspect. And especially in football, you got to be first. And it's not just being first in your conference. It's not just being first in your division. It's not just being first in recruiting. It's not just being first in everything. It's about being first in your state, too. So even though Texas and Texas A&M do not play against each other, Texas and Texas A&M are still competing. Because at the end of the day, I talk to most people, and most people will either give you one or two signs. Hook them, gig them. You get a few sick bears in there. You get a few pony ups. You get a few horn frogs. You get a few, um, you know, go kooks, especially in the Houston area. But nine times out of 10, it's hook them or it's gig them. Or if you, in this case, saw us down. That's the reality of it. So whenever Texas is trying to win in recruiting or whenever they're trying to win their state, they're going up against Texas A&M. And now with Steve Sarkeesian in the building, I do believe Texas has gotten harder to recruit. I believe that it was Jimbo Fisher's job to lose at this point. He's done a fabulous job, but he's done a fabulous job also recruiting outside the state. I think now you're going to have the exact same thing happen to Texas where Jimbo's going to take kind of the Midwest and the East. Steve's going to take the West. They're going to take all the West. California, Arizona, Oregon, Washington, Denver, uh, Colorado. Yeah, Colorado, Idaho, Montana. These places where superstar athletes are kind of forgotten about. They are going to lead the USC's. They're going to lead the Washington's. They're going to lead the Oregon's. Because Texas has its own television network. Texas has its own broadcasting. Texas has its own tradition. Texas, everything bigger in Texas. More recruits are looking at Texas. More NFL teams look at Texas. Like, let's just look at Texas in general last year. Overall, not a terrible year. Uh, 7-2 on the year, I believe it was. And then they won the bowl game. They didn't have a first-round pick again. They had uh, two early picks with Joseph Asai and Sam Cosme. They had a lot of mid-round picks, and they had a lot of late-round picks. They, once again, are getting a lot of talent taken to the NFL. Similar to Texas A&M. So going into this game, what we're going to do is we're going to look, especially at the offense today. Maybe I'll do defense tomorrow, but I'm just going to focus in on the offense today. Who is in the right frame? Does Texas have the advantage or does Texas A&M have the advantage going into 2021? Because I promise you, what they do in 2021 will help decide recruiting classes well into 2023 and beyond. So let's start off with the quarterback position. This is a tie. I'm going to come out right now and say this is a tie. Because if I've watched film on all four quarterbacks, Haynes King, Zach Calzada, Casey Thompson, Hudson Card, I've watched film on all four. Of the four, the one with the most potential is easily, easily, it's Haynes King. Haynes King has the most potential. He moves really well in the pocket. He does a great job delivering throws. He does a fabulous job maneuvering downfield. Vision on point. Overall good accuracy. Not a great deep ball passer, but good efficient passer. Something that is warranted. High completion rating. Guy who's going to cr- uh, connect across the middle field. Guy who's going to make a ton of plays in open space. And also has speed. Not a dual threat quarterback completely, but definitely is a more dual threat guy than I would say Zach Calzada to where he can maneuver and keep drives alive. Zach Calzada. Honestly, arm of Josh Allen, mobility of Phillip Rivers. That's what it is. 
you have a guy who has an incredible arm, a guy who can rocket shot it down the field. I mean, stand put, doesn't even have to move his foot, doesn't have to go into a three-step drawback, can just stand still and deliver a bolt 40 yards down the field. That is Zach Calzada. There's some limitations to his game, but there's a lot to like about that. High-efficient guy, great completion rating, great um, great passer rating, going to be able to get the deep ball. And if you have Caleb Chapman and that's like the guy that you have to rely on, that might be the quarterback you go with. Casey Thompson, kind of a middle guy. A little bit less of Haynes King, more of a consistent thrower across the middle of the field. Definitely has some good mobility. Definitely is not a, a dual threat guy, but has the ability to escape pressure. Definitely showed why he deserved to be the quarterback in the Alamo Bowl. 7-10, 180 yards, four touchdown passes. Now, credit, three of those touchdown passes were great vision from Bijan Robinson. I forget who the other guy was. It Maybe it was Jordan Whittington. Uh, but the great vision from them to be able to open up downfield. They beat the Buffalo defender, and they were able to just basically walk into the end zone. So I can't give all that. But what I can say is, High efficient guy, high completion guy, and he can maneuver outside the pocket. So you got to like that. On the other side, Hudson Card. Hudson Card is easily the second most, in my opinion, of upside of the four quarterbacks. Because of what he does is he has the arm. Bigger arm than Casey Thompson. Not accurate. Got to work on the accuracy. But he's mobile. Guy was a top five dual threat prospect according to 24-7 Sports when coming out of Lake Travis High School. So again, you have two guys who have the potential in Haynes King and Hudson Card. You also have two guys who I think might have won the coaches over and might be the starters in Casey Thompson and Zach Calzada. When I break it down, it's a pass. Because I do think that even though Haynes King in 2021, if given the starting job, will put up better numbers than Hudson Card or Casey Thompson, I still haven't seen it. So I can't give that, I can't give anybody yet. I saw one quarter a play from Casey Thompson. I've seen five snaps from Hudson Card. I've seen last season zero snaps from Zach Calzada. I don't know what to expect. So when you do this, you have to go in with an open mind. In that mind, no one wins that battle, in my opinion. At least for me. This episode of Locked on Aggies is brought to you by Built Bar. Built Bar has every single flavor under the sun. Nine unique flavors. So whether you want cherry, apple, almond crisp, or of course, peanut butter, they will be covered in 100% real chocolate. And they have a nice, soft nougat center. So they're really easy to chew. They're great for somebody on the keto diet. And they are great for anybody looking to lose or maintain weight because they're low in calories, high in protein, high in fiber, and low in sugar. I start my day off every day with a peanut butter brownie protein bar, 19 grams of protein, 130 calories, 5 grams of sugar, 5 grams of net carbs. There's not a product like this out on the shelves. And with 4th of July coming up, you got to make sure you look good for the lake, look good for the beach, whatever you're doing. Make sure you look good. Have a protein bar every single day. Built Bar is the one for you. Go visit LockedOnBuiltBar.com and like type in LockedOn15 for 50% off your very next purchase. That's LockedOn15 at BuiltBar.com. Stop eating the salty sweets and enjoy a treat that will meet your needs. Built Bar from BuiltBar.com. Locked on Aggies, presented by the Locked on Podcast Network. In 25 minutes or less, we get you caught up on every single thing you need to know about college football, NFL offseason, the NBA Finals that's happening, and of course, the NHL playoffs who are breaking for the Stanley Cup. I will not be the guy doing that. Nope, not me, not this gorgeous face. But instead, Peter Bukowski and the Locked on Today crew will. 
Peter breaks down all major sporting news, including golf, including the MMA, and surprisingly, everything in the NFL in 25 minutes or less. Subscribe on the Aussie app or wherever you get your podcast listening systems. Let's keep this train going with the offensive players to watch for in a battle who owns who in the Battle of Texas. Running back. Uh, right now, I have to go plain and simple. AM. And it's tough. It really is. Because I do believe B. John Robinson is what a complete running back looks like. He has speed. He has strength. He has mobility. He has agility. He moves well in the pocket. He moves well in between the trenches. Home run speed. Can catch the ball on the backfield. But Isaiah Spiller can do everything that B. John Robinson can do. Maybe just a little slower. Not much slower. Just a little slower. You get what I'm saying? And production-wise... I got two years that says Isaiah Spiller is going to be a more complete back because he can block. He does really well between the trenches. And when you watch him in open space, he can make defenders miss. But here's where the conversation starts. Anaya Smith is a gadget player. I can use him at both wide receiver and I can use him as a running back. I also have a home run speed guy that nobody's talking about because he hasn't been around because if he's been too busy killing it and trying to make the Olympic trials in Devon A-Chain. A-Chain came in, I believe it was sixth, sixth or seventh place in the Olympic trials for the 200. I mean, there's going to be a shot that if he continues to do what he's doing, he can make the Olympics in 2000. And I guess it will now be 2025 or will it be 2024? Who knows? I, I honestly don't know with how COVID happened. You know, last year, the Olympics were supposed to be going on more back to the story. Home run speed. Roshan Johnson is a good running back, but he's more of a change of pace running back. I have that with Anaya Smith. They don't have a third guy. They lost their third guy in um, in uh, Kevante Ingram. He's now at USC. So I look at that. Three weapons. Each one dangerous. Each one a little bit more dangerous than the other. And I go ahead and I say, okay, if I'm going to look at this, A&M has more and they're more complete. Bijan Robinson might be the most complete running back of the group, but production, third and short, third and long, second and seven, first and five, there's a lot of ways I can go, and I have a running back in the building, in College Station, to where they get the lead. So I'm going to go with, um, I'm going to go Texas A&M. Wide receiver, this is a tough one, because neither really were good last year. There wasn't a receiver over 400 yards for either team, minus one player for AM. It was um, Anaya Smith, and he was technically a running back. So you don't really know what to make there. With Texas, it was Joshua Moore to get 577 yards. The difference was touchdowns. Now, Josh Moore had nine touchdowns. I think Anaya Smith had the most with five, if I'm not mistaken. So again, that gives the advantage to Texas. But I look at what you have in the wings waiting. And this is a tough one again. You have, for Texas, a very good vertical threat in Troy O'Meary coming up. You have a very good change of pace guy, kind of like a gadget player, I would say, in Jordan Whittington. You have your possessional receiver in Joshua Moore. When you look at Texas A&M, you have your vertical presence in Caleb Chapman. You have your possessional receiver in Chase Lane. You also have a really good Anaya Smith who can do a little bit of everything your gadget player. After that, I look at the next group. The one who has more experience is Texas A&M. You have guys like Hezekiah Jones. You have guys like, um, uh, God, why am I blanking on it right now? Um, I, I can't believe I'm blanking on it. I know Moose Muhammad's one that's coming up. I know that there's um, 
I know Dylan, uh, Dylan Wright. My bad. Yeah. Uh, Dylan Wright. You got him. You got Max Wright. Max Wright. My bad. You got a few guys who at least have some experience on this roster. I go Texas A&M. I think Texas A&M has a better opportunity and a little bit more complete package at wide receiver than what Texas has. That being said, I do think Texas wide receivers are going to have a better year they had this year than last year. But again, I also think A&M receivers are going to do the exact same thing because you're not playing 10 straight games against SEC defenses. You're playing nine SEC defenses and three or four, you know, non-conference, very poor defenses. So yeah, I think wide receivers are going to be fine for both programs, but I definitely think A&M has the advantage. Wide receiver, plain simple. I mean, a tight end, plain simple. Jalen Watermeyer, done deal. I'm not going to spend much time on this. I like the uh, the tight ends that they have there. I'm blanking on their names right now, but I do know they have two guys returning. One is a six-year senior, so having that you know veteranship for a young quarterback is essential, but you have that in Jalen Watermeyer for the same thing, and Watermeyer has what much more upside. We're talking first-round buzz. We're talking a guy who has great speed. We are talking about a guy who is almost impossible to guard with a linebacker, you got to play safety on him. A guy who's made a big time splash in the red zone. Yeah, I don't need to waste much time. Texas AM gets the point. Offensive line, plain and simple. I have to go with Texas. Texas is returning four of their five starters. AM is losing four of their five starters. Nothing to say, nothing negative about it. I'm just saying when you look, Kenyon Green may be the most complete. They're returning four or five starters on the offensive line. That is an advantage every time. Because Texas A&M's offensive line could be really, really good. They got a lot of young talent. Ruben Fathery, Josh Bankhead, um, Oki, um, uh, uh, um, Layden Robinson, Luke Matthews. They have a lot of talent. They haven't played. The other unit has. The other unit protected Sam Ellinger. Ellinger, I think, was the third or f- second or third least sacked quarterback in the Big 12 last year. And again, you don't play defense in the Big 12. Everyone knows that. But... You do need a stable offensive line. And you need that in the SEC more than anyone no more than anywhere else. I gotta give the edge to Texas. In final, offensively, no decision at quarterback. Throw that out the window. Point one for running back goes to AM. Point two, AM goes to wide receiver because I think there are more players with more production who are returning. A, uh, Texas is losing Tariq Black. They're losing uh, uh, Brennan Eagles. They're not losing anybody. Jamon Osmond didn't play last year, so it doesn't really count. You're not losing anybody. Tight end, Texas A&M, Texas offensive line. Three to one, Texas A&M offensively. And you could argue that if it is between Haynes King and Hudson Card, I get the point to Texas A&M because I think Haynes King has a higher upside. If it's between... Haynes, I mean, if it's between Zach Calzada and Hudson Card, I think maybe you give it to Texas because there's so much upside. But that's for a different argument. We haven't really seen any of these guys play because we haven't had to. Texas A&M and Texas were in a really good spot for a long time because they had the one thing you need to win, quarterback, and Kellen Mond and Sam Ellinger. So I'll give a pass to that, but I do think that you could see this offense for Texas A&M really thrive with one of these two quarterbacks. I think you could say the same thing about Texas. But right now, three to one advantage AM. That's good for this edition of Locked On Aggies. Make sure you're following us on social media at Mr. Cole Thompson and at Locked On Aggies. We'll be back on Monday to discuss everything you need to know about the upcoming schedule. This has been Locked On Aggies, presented by the Locked On Podcast Network.